Welcome for Outlander Season 1, Episode 12, Lollybrock. I'm Don Bitters. And I'm Nick Stone. And this is Gaelic Guys, an Outlander podcast where we watch Outlander, drink scotch, and let you know our terribly uninformed opinions about both. So this episode opens with a Scottish tourism board commercial. Uh, just beautiful, beautiful landscape shots of Scotland, which uh, leads us directly into Jamie and Claire talking uh, about planes in the world's first podcast, Plane Talk with Jamie and Claire. This uh, this is the one sunny day that has ever happened in Scotland. <laughs> so you can see these beautiful green rolling hills. And Claire evidently thought the coolest thing to tell Jamie about the future was planes, which is accurate. If you're going from Scotland, it's like, ah, yeah, we don't have to like be down in the muck. <laughs> like yeah. wait there's a sun up there somewhere he's like i'm looking at the sky for the first time in a long time she's like you know what else is in the sky this thing it's called a plane it's like a bird but not so as uh, claire and jimmy are wrapping up their podcast they talk about their ages but mm. it's something where like we were pointing out like the actors are such a huge discrepancy from the actual ages they're supposed to be in the show like by a decade or more this is a moment when our suspension of disbelief is again tested where it's like oh you're 27 i thought you were young like me and we're all like (laughs) you're 35 (laughs) so they approach lollybrock and we get the first of many ptsd flashbacks for jamie throughout this episode which to me proves more than anything else other than you know the horrific contents of these flashbacks that jamie is 100 percent colorblind other than the color of red Right, yeah. It looks like, you know, something from The Giver. Yeah, yeah, Pleasantville, <laughs> or what was I saying? The, the Giver. Giver. Yeah. yeah, where it's like, the only color you can see is red, like blood and red coats. And it's like, yeah, okay, it's, deep. it's a flashback. It's real deep. It's deep. I, get, I, I see what you're doing, filmmakers. <laughs> Jamie has a quick flashback of, of course, the immense torture that he experienced and what happened with... His sister, where he assumed that she was raped by Blackjack Randall. And as they enter, of course, the the first thing that Jamie sees is this young kid that he assumes the worst about. Yeah, I had a, like, this felt like an office space moment. And I'm just like, it's a jump to conclusions, Matt. Do you get it? You jump. And it's like, wow, you couldn't have, like, been like, hey, so... Sis, you get married recently? <laughs> you know, yeah, like, you know, it's only been like what f- was four, or five four years? years? Yeah, yeah, like you know, and that kid is like he could be three. I don't know. I don't know what kids' ages are. Yeah. Like, you neither know, does Jamie. Clearly, Jamie definitely doesn't. Yeah, um, because he uh, automatically assumes that and says out loud that this is the bastard of Blackjack yeah. Randall. And Jenny is righteously pissed. And then they introduce like the like the good guy Ned. The old cool Uncle Ned of this kind of thing, where Ian, her husband, who's just like the nicest guy. Super nice guy. And missing, uh, notably missing the lower half of his right leg. So oh, we know there's a story there. That's um, good on you well, for seeing past that. Well, he didn't walk around going like Danny DeVito, so I didn't look at the legs. He did look at the legs because <laughs> he bore no resemblance to the penguin. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Jenny, of course, is pissed at Jamie, and we kind of get this... Another extended flashback that gets into really dark territory, not just because, again, it's all black and white other than red, which leads me to believe the colorblindness is a family trait. Mm. But she tells her story 
where okay i'm gonna try to figure out the best way to set this up yeah i mean it's it's an it's an unpleasant flashback in which there's you know blackjack attempts to rape jenny well okay but saying that is like very very like simplifying at this point like there's like no bones about it jack black randall is basically hannibal lecter like he's yeah. like he's doing all of like the creepy things to be creepy with like full awareness of like this is all just like I am a guy in power and I am trying to freak you out. Yeah. Like slowly shoving his finger in her mouth. Like that's where I like I wrote that down. Yeah. Because I'm like, this isn't just okay, you're a malicious asshole. This is a I like to fuck with people and I'm going to do it in really creepy ways. Yeah, I mean this this whole scene really drives home the point that rape is not a crime about sex because we know that blackjack uh, is gay and does not actually have desire for women yeah much less this woman specifically yeah. he's just doing it to demonstrate his power and be able to abuse someone and yeah. torture them which we immediately go to hey that's a dick yeah with you know the the, the one you didn't you weren't looking out for or like you know even going like all right well that that's fun that happened instead it's it's you know, the last dick you want to see, see in yeah. scotland it's yeah. the last dick you want to see in life yeah it's and you know which is blackjack <laughs> and inherently kind of unsexy because the scenario is he's not aroused and he's trying to arouse himself for this heinous act yeah. and it's not working out and we keep cutting back sort of by surprise to this limp Close flappy up. dick that's you know it's really unpleasant yeah overall. what was the alternate title for this episode is floppy randall dick yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so jenny is just laughing at him and being you know hit really abusively hard every time she does this but she keeps doing it which in the end kind of in a horrible way saves her from the actual rape because she's knocked out cold, which of course is of no interest to Randall. Because if someone can't actually be suffering from his acts, then he doesn't care. Right. It sounds like we're making light of it at times, but it's like it's really like a dark, dark scene, which is played off of the kind of awkwardness of a, a floppy Randall dick being constantly put in your face as the viewer. Yeah, I mean they use a lot of nudity in the series, and it's usually you know a relatively pleasant thing you know it's, happening it's made up for like you know or not necessarily sexual but also to like titillate or like and in certain cases a shock some cases a yeah, shock so it also falls into that category right like when Galus was you know dragged out of the courtroom and she rips her you know shirt oh, open yeah, and yeah. she's nude it's you know it's designed to get the reaction because we don't see people nude and this is like another side of that where it is it is shocking because in your typical TV series you're much less likely to see male yeah. frontal nudity than female and so to for this whole episode to that be the only actual nudity we really experience yeah, exactly. it's you know it's a statement which the, it does flip it in terms of like how many times we've seen full frontal female nudity in this show mm. versus male and the one male they give us is like the ooh isn't that disgusting right yeah Jenny, Jamie, Ian, and Claire are all talking, and basically Jamie's trying to assert himself as Laird and all this stuff, and he takes Claire aside to like you know basically tell her that in when we're in front of servants, it's like no, the man, it's a man's world. Yeah, and like, he's like the puff chest about it all. Yeah, Jamie sort of forgets all his like 
feminist learnings from hanging out with Claire yeah. and like becomes quite quite chauvinistic for much of this episode and very very classist where he you know there's that stratified nature of lairds and ladies and servants and yeah no and and the roles that they fill yeah. you know it just keeps proving how terrible it was an idea to have an episode that is from his perspective <laughs> right yeah he's he's very young at heart and i think that's that's one of the reasons that they mentioned the age thing is to put you in the mindset that Jamie is young, you know, like even though also to convince the audience, Oh yes, he is that young. Right. Yeah. Like you have to say it out loud because I mean, from your eyes, you're like, there's a man in in his thirties, you know, who is like, you know, you would expect certain adult things, but at least in the story, this is a very young man who, you know, doesn't know how to fill those leadership roles. Exactly. He doesn't have that kind of experience or maturity. Mm hmm. Um, so Jamie is in his father's bedroom, essentially, the Laird's room, with Claire, kind of walking through and recounting his father's past, and then pulls out a fucking Viking sword mm. with, like, a little, like, metal fist at the top. Jamie's kind of recount. Then we go back into another flashback, which is, this episode is pretty rife with them, mm. but it is, like, contextually solid stuff that's about family, which, weirdly enough, this episode is all about family. Right. And really about the Frasier part of Jamie's family. Because we've seen a lot of, you know, Column and yeah. things happening McKenzie's. there. Yeah. yeah, and the Mackenzies. We get a lot of that sort of distant family. But now we really get the first sort of nuclear Frasier family yeah. facts and, you know, things going on. Real Frasier facts. Real Frasier facts. <laughs> That's our other podcast. Check us out on iTunes. <laughs> we go into a flashback of the last time that Jamie had seen his father which was in a prison as he's being taken to Randall and his father gives him like a last kiss on the cheek as he'd been just pleading with Randall to let his son go showing like that he was probably a good dad and the moment that Jamie goes into that room with Randall Randall of course you know very much like oh I'm this is what I want this is what we're gonna do now and really much pulls that card out of which we all kind of knew and had been talked about is that Randall really just wants to bone Jamie Right. I mean, who can blame him? But super creepy when he does it because he's pure evil incarnate. Because it's either sleep with me or, I mean, like, they actually, his specific words, keeping with the Hannibal Lecterism is give me your body. Not even like, you know, like sleep with me, not even like that. It's I want to control you in this like horribly molesting way. And so it's that or be flogged again, which leads into the, the flogging that we've already seen Jamie endure in an earlier episode. Right. And of course the question comes up and Claire brings it up shortly after like would you trust Black Jack Randall if he said oh if you give over your body to me I'll let you go and I won't flog you again. Like what evidence would any human have that he would yeah. stay true to that word you know so ultimately Jamie's refusal is probably the wisest thing he could do yeah. even as painful as you know the flogging ends up becoming not only physically yeah. but as we find out shortly to the rest of his family yeah. so we quickly learn now that Jamie's dad was actually present at that flogging and I think you, you put it well that Oh, it's like it's almost like a like a schoolyard joke that Jamie got whipped so hard that his dad died. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, whether from a heart attack or we don't really know what. It, right. All he said is like his dad let out a little gasp and fell. I uh, never got up again. Yeah. yeah. So Jamie is kind of like real. You know, find out later that his dad died because he thought 
Jamie was dead from the mm. flogging. And this is, of course, like the horrifying image. Like, Jamie's back is basically just muscle, like, ripped open. There's no skin there. Yeah. And so, understandably, that the father would think that. But Jamie has missed, like, his father dying. He missed his burial. He missed everything mm. because he was in prison or on the run. Yeah. And so, it's something where, you know, we're really kind of getting a sense of Jamie probably, for a lot of the, the, the actions that he's doing, the things that he's he do throughout this episode, like the the kind of uh, the boots too big to filth or sort of thing, mm. is because I think he feels that sense of shame, right? Over feeling like maybe he causes dad's death or because he is responsible for a lot of what's happened, right? Like perhaps if he made that horrible choice in Randall's chambers and his dad gave would be alive, gave yeah. yeah, gave himself over, maybe his dad would be alive, and it's like. Of course, there's no way to know, as yeah. he says, and so it just tortures him, you know, as he tries to be half the man his father was, sort of. And so we go to a very awkward dinner, short dinner scene with uh, uh, Jenny and Claire, <laughs> who I think you pointed out immediately gives wine to the pregnant lady. Right. Yeah. In in total uh, '40s medical best practices, yeah. as far as I could tell, gives wine to a pregnant lady. I mean. Maybe that's a thing they didn't know was weird yeah. at the time. I sort of suspect that you you would at least have an idea that yeah. that wasn't the best thing to do. We get to find out that, uh, unlike previously in the series, now we have the peasants come to us yeah. to pay their rents. You know, so you don't have to go around and show Jamie's back and like raise money for the Jacobite cause. Oh, I'm sure yeah. it would help. Yeah, but the people just come to you. And tell you their sob stories about how hard it is yeah. at your place. Which, which immediately leads into Jamie being kind of like nice guy tax collector of like, you know what? I'm not going to take your money this year. It's, I, I'm, I'm of two minds about it because obviously we're meant to understand that this is an unwise financial choice for Jamie. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not sure why these people are paying <laughs> this layered yeah. something you know it's some weird feudal leftover thing so i'm like like i know it's best for jamie that he actually collects this money to keep his estate running but i don't know what services are really provided like that this would be a fair yeah. social contract well, in I'm any way. It's like, they don't get into it very much but i'm assuming it's simply like rent for land right yeah they do they, they do call it the rents and things and so i there may be a perfectly valid reason but it feels very you know feudal oh very you know. During this time, uh, Claire also is helping a boy who is being pretty aggressively abused by his father. Yes, I referred um, to this as the slap hungry children hour. Because yeah. this poor kid wants to eat what is evidently, we find out later, really gross bread. Yeah. And is slapped really hard for it. So. I, I, many times. Many times. And we find out he's been abused generally. Yeah. But, yeah. Jamie, the end of the day happens. Claire is kind of like done with this. Uh, goes upstairs and Jamie comes back in bed like a drunk 16-year-old or like a frat boy or whatever. I mean, he comes through that door, as you pointed out, like Kramer from Seinfeld. Yeah. Like he just like bursts in and then oh, is, is surprised by what he finds on the other side. Yeah. yeah. So the next day, Jamie is thoroughly hungover as Claire is trying to like, you know, ease that with the hair of the dog, which I don't think has ever worked ever. I mean, for that situation. Yeah. But it also says something that Jamie's job was to collect taxes and he got hammered. Right. Yeah. It's not exactly productive. So Jenny comes in and is immediately pissed at him. 
and tries to knock, basically knocking down a, him down a peg because he didn't collect the rents. He was very forgiving of everyone for that. And then on top of that, the boy who he was like, I don't, they didn't clarify. Did he actually beat up the dad or did he just threaten him? I think he just threatened him and said, like, I'll knock your block off if you want to if you want to put your hands on that boy, I'm going to put my hands on you kind of thing. Okay. But I don't think they actually fought. Okay, yeah. So then that boy, or no, the father basically disowned him. Right. The and father so- told him, like, if you think you can raise him better, then go ahead. And yeah. so now this kid lives at Lollybrook, you know, and it's like, cool, we weren't already in a bunch of debt. Thanks, yeah. Jamie. And then immediately needs something to like justify his existence. So here's the mill is broken. Ah, to the mill. I'm going to fix this thing with my bare hands. Right. As he complains to one of his servants who's hidden behind a magic secret oh my door. God, that door. <laughs> no, and it's like amazing because it's like you don't notice it the first time, but when she like goes back to disappear behind it again, clearly it's like this woman's and this poor, poor woman's life is just waiting behind this door. That blends in with the wall like it's not even supposed to be there. Yeah. And just is like, servant, come. Hello. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those realities. Like we've all seen some Downton Abbey or whatever and yeah. understand the dynamics at work here. But it's, it's still shocking to see these people who are really expected to just wait hand on foot. And then to see these privileged folks who are like, oh, this bread tastes like it was made with pebbles. And it's like. You didn't have to do anything to get this bread. Oh, yeah. No, no. And not only that, but it's like, it's kind of a double whammy there of like, just like, I feel for this poor woman because the mill is broken. And Jamie's like, oh, this bread is terrible. And it's like, the mill is broken. We had to grind it by hand. Right. Like, like that's really difficult. Yeah. We we spent much more effort to make bread yeah. for you. And then rather he's like, than Ugh, you. it's garbage. Yeah, and then I'll go fix it. I don't care if you already called someone to fix the mill, which uh, becomes its own adventure because evidently Jamie is not an expert mill fixer. (laughs) And, you know, he eventually seems to actually figure out what the problem is, but runs into some trouble. Yeah, so as Jamie dives into the water in the mill to fix who knows. It's jammed up in the sluice. Is that what they said? Yeah, that's oh, what okay. I don't. I, I'm personally, I'm going to be honest, I don't know what that means. I mean, I assume that it it meant that there was something jammed up underneath the where sluice. the water part is. Yeah, it's like the sluice, you know, the yeah. sluice. Oh, the sluice. Yeah, you should have figured it out in five minutes. Yeah, five right. seconds. Obviously. I would have seen that. And just, oh. We call that Mill 101, where <laughs> I come from. So Jamie, essentially near naked, jumped in the water, and the Redcoats use this moment to show up as Jenny has come to like warn them as Claire and her just sit on the uh her Jamie's clothes to hide them yeah because at this point I mean we haven't really discussed it but basically Jamie has come home because he expects a pardon to be granted exactly but it hasn't come through yet it's a little bit like spending the money you're gonna make from that job you haven't quite started you know it's like really counting as chickens yeah. before they hatch or it's like i robbed a bank with my face in full view of the cameras i'm gonna go buy this nice ferrari yeah it's definitely a really questionable action to be like there's there's a reason he's been not at lollybrook for, for the four last years. four years yeah and to be like oh i'm just gonna go back now because i'm pretty sure that this random english 
fop, yeah. we decided, is going to come through and get me a pardon. Yeah, on this Jamie thing. has really, really poor trust management. Yeah. Of course, he gets a real dig about that because as he's explaining this, you know, his sister is like, oh, I didn't know you'd trust the English so quickly. Yeah. And it's like, oh, dagger to the heart of Claire over here. <laughs> Sassanac. So the one nice red coat is like, oh, I'll fix the mill. Right. Like, this seems like a problem. He's like probably a genuinely good guy. He's like, oh, I'm coming by the mill and I'm happy to jump in the water and fix it for you because I was raised by millers. Anyway, I'm a nice guy. I hope there are no fugitives hiding in this <laughs> sluice. <laughs> you know. Again, and it almost plays like a bad 80s comedy of you just see like Jamie's shirt rising on the mill as it suddenly starts working like just pulled through the water and it has one of my favorite lines not maybe not in this episode but in this show mm. where the red coat just grabs the shirt off the mill and walks over and it's like oh that's a perfectly good shirt i don't know how it ended up there and another red coat says it's scotland right like that just explains like the scottish people are just wandering around flinging clothes into machinery i mean like what is the what is the stereotype you think is being fulfilled here english guards you well, know no, that's their explanation it's everything oh this food is too hot it's scotland <laughs> yeah any problem could be in scotland can be explained by just saying it's scotland yeah they end up leaving as a completely naked jamie who is like 90% muscle, 10% scars. <laughs> Emerges from the water. Uh, and not showing his dick, but basically it's like the hand is just conveniently over. Yes, are artfully protected from yeah. full frontal nudity. Um, but as he turns, Jenny finally sees the scars, like his like horrified, like just basically, you know, his dinosaur back. Yeah. Uh, right. Yet, yet again, we're in a scenario where we see Jamie's scars yeah <laughs> which i think is like the macguffin of this series right like you know I, i'm trying to think of how often don you and i are friends <laughs> how often have you seen my back and i can think probably once at that one pool party <laughs> like you know but it's like we see jay don't everyone, even remember it right yeah because it's not you know covered in like super wicked scars so you wouldn't have a specific memory but it's like i think we need to get to work on this i'm trying to think of like how many times my like bare back is exposed to people generally yeah. and not that often but jamie's like everyone kind of sees it and it's you know emotionally well, the scarring. alternative title for this book and the show was jamie loses his shirt right and we're all glad for the front part and the back part makes us sad we now have like a couple of scenes that are all like basically just like people meeting up and talking out their feelings and like the family part of this episode right so we have ian and claire good yeah. guy ian right ian and claire get to sort of commiserate about the experience of being wedded to the Frasers and the sort yeah. of like bullheaded stubbornness with a giant good heart behind yeah. it that is that experience which I love that the way you deal with Frasers is the same way you deal with like a broken washing machine is you kick it until it works yes right yeah which this leads to then Claire and Jamie having their and like I literally just have like beat after beat of like Ian and Claire real talk Claire and Jamie real talk Jenny and Jamie real talk <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, that's sort of it. You know, we've we've gotten a lot of, like, sort of tense moments in this episode, and these people finally kind of talk through their feelings yeah, at the exactly. end of it, you know. And uh, Jamie and Jenny finally talking is what I think solidifies, yeah. you know, our understanding of the actual dynamics of this family. Because so far they've been, you know, sniping at each other and very, you know, yeah. 
very much a sibling rivalry, and you see the actual deep love yeah. that they have for one Which, another. And then it takes Claire telling Jamie, basically, it's like, you're not being Jamie, you're being a dick. And your dad would hate it, which is the thing, because he's, of course, trying to fill... His dad's shoes, yeah. Yeah, and he's doing a pretty poor job of it, because he thinks, you know, it's all bluster. And he knows better deep down, but he yeah. also doesn't know how to pull that off. And I think it's a it's sort of a classic next generation taking over something mm. story that you see in a lot of movies and TV, yeah. where it's like, the first reaction is, I'm going to do everything the opposite, because I hate the way they do it. You know, they're so strict and they you know they're not kind to people but it's like there's a reason that people sometimes have to be strict you know even as much as i'm sure the people at lollybrook love their tenants you know they talk about them being family it's like you can't say you can't you don't have to pay rent this year because people won't you know because ever again yeah of course they want you know some relief of course they do and of course if you grant it to them they'll take take that and possibly take advantage of that yeah but the difference between when Jamie's given like a hard time talk mm. and he's just like have the money back versus even with Ned good right. guy Ned who's just like all right well we'll be we'll make sure that you're taken care of but you're still paying rent right yeah that that, that there are still consequences and people have responsibilities you know yeah. yeah we get to the point where Jenny and Jamie have their real talk over the grave of the father forgiving each other and saying they're sorry for being dicks Right. <laughs> yeah. They're the, both the Frasier family, like, there's there's one real dick in this, but then there's a whole family of dicks in this as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Alternate episode title. Family the dicks, dicks come out. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Outlander, it's a family show. So, Jamie and Claire have a romance scene, which, you know, is romantic. It's romantic, but we don't get our, you know, our sometimes very lusty, you know, sex scene in this. We just have them, you know, have Jamie talk about how much he loves and wants Claire. And then, you know, they wander off screen and presumably have very hot sex, you know. Orgiastic sex. And like, it's that thing where... You know, as as all TV shows work, you can't just have a TV show where, like, the characters are happy and nothing happens. You know, conflict is the heart of narrative. And so, like, they're happy for, like, one second in this episode. I'm just going, like, what happens now to make them really miserable? Yeah. So, of course, Claire wakes up the next day. Jamie's missing. But she's like, oh, it's okay. He's probably making breakfast. <laughs> so she goes out to the balcony and... Jamie has a gun to his head. What? Episode end. <laughs> anyway, we drank some scotch this week. Yeah, this actually, I, I I, don't know if we're on the same page with this, but like, I've enjoyed this scotch, mm. I think, more than you? I or? think so. This is not like one of my top scotches. It's, it's very good. So anyway, we should say this is the John Barr Blended Scotch Whiskey Reserve Blend. Uh, but yeah, so this one, like, I liked because while it's like very much tastes like most scotch is off the top where it's like a little smoother than some, but it's still has a little bit of a burn. This one has more of an aftertaste than I've had with most scotches where it almost has a very caramel kind of like, just like sweet kind of saccharine aftertaste that does not too overbearing. Okay. I, I actually have a, a little bit of an opposite uh, reaction this, to it. Is this a first scotch dis- disagreement? I think so. Cause it's like, you know, it's got, it's, it's pretty smooth and it's got a lot of like, caramelly overtones it's a it's kind of a dark tasting scotch 
which is nice, but it's almost it's almost so centered and dark. Then you mentioned it like it's almost saccharine to the point of, for me, the the like aftertaste that I'm sort of left with is an almost soury really kind of oh, like okay. thing. So it's like it's it's good. It's more like smoky for me. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely a little smoky, but like for me, like it's sort of left wanting after the fact. Whereas you obviously like the aftertaste a lot for this one, so. I've never said this before, but like this would be a really good pairing scotch. Oh, okay. With like something that's a little bit like on the creamier or sweeter side, which yeah. I don't think that's even a thing. Like, do you pair like like how do you pair wines? Yeah, I mean, I know there are scotch flights, you know, where you try different ones in a row. But I yeah, mean, I've, I've done those as sure. well in Edinburgh. Oh, but, oh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm, I'm real talk here. <laughs> yeah, I recommend it. Yeah, you I mean, not as much. I, I, w- I would recommend it. It's not, I would say it's not my personal favorite, but it's very good. It's definitely no uh, prestige scotch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a very fine bottle of scotch. It's not my how top many, one. How many, Jamie, out of 10 Frasers would you give it? Out of 10 Frasers? I mean, I'd say this is like a seven for me. Okay. So yeah. I, I'm actually a little bit above you. I, I'd give it eight and a half, Jamie's. Right. Uh, so that is our episode for this week. Uh, again, once again, as always, a huge shout out to our editor Meredith, who takes this garbage we spew and makes it into perfectly listenable dialogue. Thank you, Meredith. Uh, yeah, and as always, t- tell a friend, tell an enemy, uh, spread the word about the podcast. That's the best way people will discover it. Rate and review us on iTunes. Pull and- over at your nearest liquor store. <laughs> store. Buy a bottle of scotch. Don't drink it then. Rate and review but us rate and, review and us. drive home yeah. and drink that bottle of scotch. Yeah. So that is our podcast, and uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.